Hey, this is Kevin O'Connor. On today's episode of The Mismatch, Chris Vernon and I went deep into the James Harden trade. Really enjoyed this conversation and hope you do too. That's coming up next. It's The Mismatch presented by FanDuel. The road to the NBA Finals starts now and FanDuel is the place to get in on the action. Right now, you can check out the new and improved Quick Bets, which are back and better than ever for the NBA playoffs on FanDuel. Find what you're looking for faster and easier with more props right at your fingertips. You can check out live bets like three-minute markets and exclusive live bets like quarter player props, player assist combos, and more. So download the app today and bet with FanDuel, official partner of the NBA. The Ringer is committed to responsible gaming. Please visit rg-help.com to learn more about the resources and helplines available and listen to the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21 plus and present in select states or 18 plus in D.C. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit rg-help.com. Today's episode of The Mismatch is brought to you by Hulu Plus Live TV. Looking for a better way to watch live TV? Stream your favorite sports and shows over 95 live channels with Hulu Plus Live TV. Get access to Hulu's entire streaming library, Disney Plus and ESPN Plus, all in one plan. Start your free trial of Hulu Plus Live TV today. Live TV plan required. Restrictions apply. Offer valid for new and eligible returning subscribers only. Access content from each service separately. Learn more at Hulu.com. Welcome to The Mismatch. I'm Chris Vernon. Joining me as he does every Friday from TheRinger.com is Kevin O'Connor, a.k.a. Kevin O'Bomber, Kevin O'Connor, Kevin O'Climber, Kevin O'Conflict, Kevin O'Cameraman, Kevin O'Candyland, Kevin O'Kindness, Kevin Verno, How you How's, doing? A big trade. Been a big week. Now, you mm. had to comment on it on the fly on Wednesday. I tuned in. You guys went Thank live. You. I saw the... Uh, I saw the Twitter alert come by that you guys were talking about the trade live. Obviously, I wanted to be able to click right on it and hear somebody talking about it at that time. It's very difficult to digest everything that takes place all so quickly. Oh, yeah. Um, And you're attempting to while talking about it, but we've all just learned about this. But now that you have had, you know, we both had 48 hours to kind of digest it all and think about the outcomes of what was a massive blockbuster deal, the James Harden deal. Um, I'll tell you my opinion first. Okay. I am let, I, I now, after whatever it's been, 48 hours or 36 hours, I, my initial reaction when I saw the deal was, why the hell didn't you just take Ben Simmons? And 36 hours later, my reaction is still, why the hell did you not just take Ben Simmons? Like, I just don't, I don't understand. And I listened to what uh, Bill had a podcast that came out. Um, he kind of outlined how it sounds like it was Simmons and Thibel was the deal. And to me, the asset that is Ben Simmons is a much greater asset than any of those, quote, chances now, down the line, it could turn out. In 2027, the, there could be the next amazing player, and they have the number one pick by virtue of that. But a 24-year-old all-NBA caliber player, to me, even if you don't like the fit, you can flip that for all manner of 
players and picks, right? If you don't like, if you say, okay, this isn't going to work for us, or he says this isn't going to work for us, that asset to me is the greatest asset that you were offered. And so if I'm moving a superstar, I'd want the best asset back. That's what I'm left thinking about. It's a tough thing to talk about for the exact that, that exact reason. It's a mystery, you know, with these eight picks that they got, which is actually four un- unprotected first round draft picks and four pick swaps, unprotected pick swaps that give the Rockets the right to switch with Brooklyn. If Houston has the 22nd pick one year and Brooklyn has the fourth pick, Houston can swap that. No questions asked. So there's risk there for Brooklyn to give up those unprotected picks. And for Houston, this is a bet against Brooklyn in three to four years. You're hoping that at some point Kyrie, Katie, and Harden either split up or get old and then the team gets bad. That's what you're hoping for. And comparing that against Ben Simmons, a known commodity who, you know, like you said, an all NBA caliber talent, one of the league's greatest defensive players, so versatile with his ability to defend on the perimeter, inside, He's fantastic. An open floor playmaker. So good. But we also know his deficiencies in the postseason. And for Houston, I think they're probably might rather take that bet with the eight picks. I mean, it's four and then four swaps with Victor Oladipo. And I, I get it. And I think I would lean the direction that they did because my understanding is that, yes, Simmons Thibel seems like may have been the deal that Philly was offering. My understanding is that Houston wanted Simmons, Maxi, and two or three first round draft picks. And if you're Philly, I understand not giving that as well because you have this great team right now with Embiid playing at an MVP caliber level, Ben Simmons adapting, you know, there's still some fit issues in the half court, but he's getting better at screening. He's willingly screening. He's spotting up a little bit more often, even though he's, you know, not a threat out there. So for Daryl Morey and the Sixers, you kind of want to also see this through. So I get not given all that, but for Houston, ultimately, I lean towards the side that they made the right decision here because those assets down the line, even if it's not a top five pick, even if it's like a number seven pick one year and then the next year, you don't know what the Nets are going to look like. That could, that pick would have value and that could get you another good player down the line. So it, it, I would it's, just want this sure tough. thing. I, I, I maybe and I probably have a higher opinion of Ben Simmons, but I think you could build a team around him. Well, I here, here's the other factor. There's I think rumb- he's that there, good. There are rumblings across the league that Ben Simmons did not want to go to Houston. Interesting. So that's the other factor here to consider that apparently, you know, again, who knows for sure? Like th- this stuff floats out there and you, it's hearsay, but it's floated out there that Ben Simmons didn't want to go to Houston. And if that's the case, obviously you do have a known commodity. You have an all-star talent, a guy who can be an all NBA player, on a contract long term, you know, that deal's just kicking in. But if he doesn't want to be there, what happens in two years or three years? Because you look at this Houston locker room right now. I wrote about this this week on The Ringer. I mean, John Wall, DeMarcus Cousins, those two guys have not been the best leaders on their past teams. You have Victor Oladipo now in Houston, who didn't want to be in Houston, but he's on a, at least he's on an expiring contract and maybe you could flip him. I know for a fact there would, there will be, and there could be teams soon that would love to have him on their roster for the rest of the season. So for the Rockets, you have this weird mix right now. And maybe with Ben Simmons, it wouldn't be the best thing 
to have him going into a situation with a bunch of guys who are coming back from major injuries in Cousins and Wall. Yeah, but those guys are going to be gone. Those guys are going to be gone. In a couple of years, but but if, if, if at that point, three years from now, then Ben Simmons only has a year left on his contract. Mm-hmm. And then at that point, you're really trying to rebuild quickly before he can become an unrestricted free agent. And then you might find yourself in a similar situation. And that's, that's the downside of taking the known commodity in Simmons where, like I said, I, I think it could end up a mistake doing what they did. It could, it, this could be a mistake. Brooklyn could win three championships in a row, you know, Harden and Kyrie and Katie could age gracefully. And, and you, like, it could be bad. <laughs> but uh, it could also be bad taking the known commodity of Ben Simmons, which is why I think the upside of these picks is so significant. Unprotected picks from a team that just made no, a mistake right. trading for KG and Paul Pierce. History could repeat pretty quickly here. If this doesn't work out for the Nets, it could repeat quickly. It, it could. And all I'm saying is, like you laid out the whole, what if it didn't work with Ben Simmons? To me, if it doesn't work with Ben Simmons, Kev, I could still flip that and get all manner of stuff back. I've got a big I, yes, you can. I mean, you you wouldn't get what they got for Harden. Oh, you it, almost it, got James Harden. You almost got him in a deal. So well, don't tell they, me they, they that you can't they get some. But it wasn't just Ben Simmons though. Like they wanted also Tyrese Maxey, who's one of the. But he's fun, the centerpiece. It, 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 I know he is, but Tyrese Maxey is also one of the most ten impressive rookies so far this season. Like in a redraft today, Maxi's going higher than in the twenties. He just is. And then you would then they also wanted two first round draft picks or three on top of that. It, obviously, and when you're when you're negotiating, you ask for more sometimes, but ultimately, in the eyes of the Rockets, clearly this is how they valued him because of the risk they'd be taking on. I think that if you if you have Ben Simmons, you are going to be able to trade him for a lot more than any of the assets that you attained. So I'm, it doesn't I'm not work. So sure, I'm I, really I, not. and 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 on the other hand, the big winner to me is Indiana. I mean, because we we were talking, you, you told me a couple of weeks ago, Oladipo has very little value. I agreed with you, right? Until he plays himself back into yeah. Victor Oladipo. I mean. I would have never got a guess that they could move off of Oladipo and get a player the caliber of Levert back. It's really nice win in for that them. deal. So that's I mean that's a that was a sneaky, really good move, especially when you've got Oladipo. You know the reports were that he was going around saying, "Hey, can I run with y'all?" And so everybody was out on that situation to be able to know that you're in a position where you want to move a guy. A guy doesn't want to be where he is, and you're able to net a player of. Lavert's talent, I think, is I, I think I think that's a really good move, and it, it was on the periphery, but something that I did not think that they would get that good of return if they had to move off of Oladipo. It's funny because with Oladipo, yeah, you're right. Like I think start of the season, every team in the league wants to see how he looks physically, and he looks better. He's still not prime Oladipo that year. He had an all-star season, went to a game seven in round one against LeBron and the Cavs. He's not quite that Oladipo yet, especially on the defensive end. He's had a lot of lazy de- de- uh, possessions, you know, some poor closeouts. Just the effort hasn't been there on defense as much as you would hope for and need from him. Um, so for Indiana, they're getting Lavert, who is more years on his contract, a younger player. And maybe a better chemistry fit there, too, considering everything that has happened with Oladipo and the fact that he does desire to leave. He wants to go to Miami. The question is, does Miami want him? 
you know, from my understanding is like Miami, you know, the guy they want is Bradley Beal. <laughs> so it's like if Beal becomes available, you know, or, or Beal is, or I should say, if Beal isn't available, then maybe Miami would turn their attention to Victor Oladipo. But for him now in Houston, this has to be ahead of his unrestricted free agency this offseason. He's got to tear it up, man. Like, I want to see Oladipo bring it on defense like he has in the past. He has to do that. And for Indiana, though, they're getting a guy in Lavert who's a really good player, man. Their team is tough already. We've talked about them a bunch the last couple of weeks. To me, it feels like even though in a vacuum, Oladipo is a better player than Lavert. In terms of how their roster is built and everything we know about the situation there, this feels like an upgrade, doesn't it? For not just this season, but the next couple. I mean, it. We'll we'll see the way it all plays out. We'll see. I mean, yeah. I I really, I don't know. I mean, it's close. It's close. But ultimately, I, I think in terms, it's you're just, talking, it's just a, it's just about like well, if you're just talking about the Lavert Oladipo swap out. I mean, yes, because the one guy doesn't. One guy it wasn't doesn't going be there, yeah. to be. Whatever the apex is with Oladipo, that wasn't going to be able to be reached. And, and so one of, now, and one of those two players also hasn't suffered a serious, you know, ruptured quad tendon in his in his knee. Mm. <laughs> I mean that that injury Oladipo suffered is is major. Well, it's major not like Levert has been the beacon of health, and, and he has not. And that's why Levert, <laughs> I mean, that's why Levert wasn't right. a lottery pick in his draft year because right. of the amount of concerns about his foot. Uh, potential feet injuries and he has yes. had some throughout his career. So not the healthiest guy either, but it make I get it for Indiana. I really do. Yep. Um, all right. So with all of this that has happened over the course of the last, you know, 36 hours, I have thought a lot about the league and how much the league has changed. We knew that James Harden was going to get moved after this press conference the other night where he said, I've given all I can. Uh, we're just not good enough. Uh, it's something that I don't <laughs> think can be fixed. And then they, you knew that it was, you know, we're now to trade time. And of course he did get traded. And then we have been talking about what Brooklyn's going to look like, what Indiana's going to look like, what Houston's going to look like going forward. But I was most struck with the whole idea of James Harden being traded and being traded to a team that had Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving on it. For so many years, Kev, I listened to general managers. In fact, you were with me a few years ago when we were at a, a ringer deal at um, in Vegas where Daryl Morey was part of it. And he, at one point, the Chris Paul thing came up and Daryl Daryl said, you know, the hardest thing to do in the NBA is to get a star. Yeah. Right. And this has been something for years and years and years as covering the NBA. I have heard all manner of general managers and executives say the hardest thing to do in the NBA is to get a star. Okay. And so now we have seen another star being moved. And so I went back and I looked. And so here is... Here is my thesis. Ooh, All right, Kevin. Thesis. Yes. The hardest thing to do is to get a star has been something that has been repeated for years and years and years by executives and general managers. And yet that has increasingly become untrue. Three years ago, almost to the day, um, we're a few weeks off, the NBA All-Star Game in 2018. Team LeBron, okay? 
It was one of the teams. It was Team LeBron versus Team Steph. That's the way they did it uh, that year. Team LeBron had the following players on their team. LeBron James, Kevin Durant, Russell Westbrook, Kyrie Irving, Anthony Davis. That is the starting lineup of Team LeBron. Every one of those players is wearing a different uniform. Mm. Team LeBron also had Paul George, Andre Drummond, Victor Oladipo, and Kemba Walker. Every single one Mm. of those players is wearing a different uniform. And that is not to mention guys like Kristaps Porzingis, who was wearing a Knicks jersey at the time, John Wall, Jimmy Butler, DeMarcus Cousins, and you also have Chris Paul and Kawhi Leonard. Also, DeMar DeRozan was playing for Toronto at the time. He Kemba Walker is for on Charlotte. a different team. No, I, and I, I named him. Okay. There's so okay. many names. I missed some. <laughs> okay. So th- we are three years Ooh. removed from almost the whole damn roster being on a different team. I can no longer believe that the hardest thing to do in the NBA is to acquire a star. And there's a lot of factors that have gone into this, and I'll get to those. The hardest thing to do in the NBA is no longer acquiring a star. The hardest thing to do in the NBA is keeping your star content. Mm. That's the hardest thing. That is my thesis now. Uh. That is not. That is the acquisition of the star is not what it used to be. I just told you three years ago, that's every great player in the league. <laughs> like, I mean, who do you want me to name? LeBron, Durant, Westbrook, Irving, Davis, George, Drummond, Oladipo, Kemba Walker, James Harden. Um, like the only ones that are still on their same team are Giannis, Joel Embiid, Curry Thompson, Kyle Lowry, Damian Lillard, Draymond. Even Al Horford, who was on that all uh, in, in, in that All Star <laughs> game, is on a different team now. Even the, even the coaches, <laughs> even the coaches, Houston, Dwayne Casey, Toronto, they're both gone. <laughs> so, and 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 most of these, you can say they they were unhappy with their situation, or yeah. they wanted the the grass is greener somewhere else, right? And and sometimes it's like the Harden situation. Sometimes it's like the Kemba situation. Sometimes it's like the Paul George situation. Sometimes it's like the Victor Oladipo situation, right? Um, But when you have the majority of what were the top 10 players in the all on different teams within three years' time, three years, Kevin, we're not talking about five years ago, three years ago. And now we, so how do you keep your guys happy and are we to the point now where as i said it is more difficult than ever that is the hard part and we will see as time goes on right we have a whole slew of young players what will happen and and who knows right jason tatum luka Doncic, nikola jokic jalen brown ben simmons who almost got moved this week uh devin booker donovan mitchell zion john morant uh, De'Aaron Fox, you know, we'll see how long, you know, most, and, and in fairness, a lot of the guys that I mentioned played out their first eight years with the team that drafted them. But how can I believe that the hardest thing to get in the NBA is a star when all of them have changed jerseys within the last three years? I, I think, I think both can be true. And here's why, because 
it can be the hardest thing to acquire a star just by the sheer numbers. There's like 20 to 25, maybe only 10 to 15 guys that and that apply for star status. That's like 5% of the entire league. So it's just a sheer numbers thing to Daryl Morey's point. However, I do think your point is is even more true that it that the hard, the true hardest thing is keeping a star happy because the amount of turnover that we have in today's league and it wasn't always this way like the the, the player empowerment era has changed things the last 10 plus years shorter you know, contracts you, you have shorter contracts as well a lot you know plays into that uh, may, who knows there could be you know societal pressures too for that matter as no, well no no no, no, no. Yeah, the, yeah, the yeah, rings no, culture and all that no, too this is true, Kevin. It, th- no, this is a hundred percent true. Okay, so fifteen years ago, before there's Twitter, before there's Instagram, mm-hmm. before there's social media, we only had MySpace. That's it. No, and, only MySpace. And, okay, and people weren't <laughs> talking about sports on MySpace. They were just posting yeah. songs and being goofy. Yeah. So yeah, ordering your 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 top friends and all that. Yes. <laughs> so you would be in my top group, Chris. Thank you, Kevin. <laughs> uh, fifteen years ago, though, there was like. You know, there was the sports columnist in town that most of the fans that like really loved the team, they didn't like him anyway. And, you know, they're, they're super fans and they don't want to hear anything negative. And so maybe the columnist would rip somebody. Maybe somebody on sports radio would rip somebody. But all local based. Yeah. yeah and you could yeah. very easily just tune that out. There's all kinds of guys that got ripped 15 years ago that never even knew they got ripped. And couldn't care less that they got ripped, right? Nowadays, if you write something about somebody or say something about somebody, somebody is going to, even if you have tuned out, somebody's going to let you know, oh my God, what's up with this guy? Why is this guy killing you today or whatever, right? You, you have an awareness of this. And the other thing is anybody can you know, comment on your Instagram or comment on your Twitter or whatever it may be. And you're constantly inundated and you end up feeling more isolated. Yeah. Especially the, you know, the younger guys, but like you're constantly taking criticism and that is not true. 15 years ago, you weren't constantly taking criticism. You just weren't like, how would you even know? You know, that that there were people out there that felt that way about you, right? There was the one guy that wrote about it in the paper, and then there was sports radio and callers. But yeah. players don't typically drive into the arena listening to sports radio. Very rarely are you going to find, a, you know, a, a player that is very engaged in what is going on on sports radio. No doubt about it. People are saying about you, but they are all engaged on all of these social media platforms. You know what I mean? I Last year, and this is when it became most clear, Kev, there is a clip, you could probably find it, where last year, a guy tweeted John Morant and said he something to the effect of he ain't built for it, he just doesn't have yeah. the heart, whatever. And John Morant went out there the next night and killed everybody <laughs> and went on the post-game thing. <laughs> And called the guy by name. This is a random <laughs> guy yeah. that lives in the suburbs of Memphis, Tennessee, yeah. who fired off a tweet because he was mad about a loss. Yeah. And he said, I want to thank that guy. Shout wow. out to you. I didn't, I didn't because see I read that. Wow. 
Yeah, you can find it because oh, I yeah, read. Okay, I just googled it. Yeah, okay. I read March your tweet first last year. Okay, and what did the guy say in the tweet? The guy said something in the tweet, and Morant said, "Thank you to so and so," and he called some random guy, just a dude. But the idea was the, it, it, it let the, you know. The fan, the fan tweeted, I don't want to say his name in case it brings him undue attention, but he said, I liked it when Ja had that fire in his eye. He doesn't look like he wants it more than others. And then Ja came out the, the following game and said, I'm thankful for this guy who tweeted and said, I don't have that fire in my eye no more. That game right there was for him. <laughs> I mean, it's sort of You like would how, never think they would care. Yeah. But but they but they do. It's like Damian Miller just just the other day made the comment about a Blazers rider who suggest who merely only suggested are are Westbrook and Beal a better backcourt than McCollum and Lillard. It was like a, in response and in flow of a conversation. And when the when he asked a questioner in a post game media availability, Damian Lillard you know said something about that. It's like oh best backcourt, huh? Yeah. <laughs> So so listen, Ken, there's there's no shows like you you and me 15 years ago. There's not even if you like there was no debate For, shows. First take wasn't created until no. 07. That was the era on ESPN of cold pizza. Remember That's cold right. pizza? There, I yeah, used there, to watch that in the morning, but it wasn't like the way it is with first take the now. Only first time, things first. The only time you ever saw people like back then really like debating and maybe even ripping somebody, especially for any kind of comments they made or anything else was Sunday morning at eight o'clock. They had, you know, four or five old sports writers from the East coast do the sports reporters oh, yeah. and they would bandy <laughs> about, you know, Dick Schaap and his crew and, and Mike Lupica and Bill Roden and whoever else would be on there, Bob Ryan. And they would, talk about the topics of the week and they would give, and these columnists would give their opinion on things other than that. And if you didn't watch that, it's not like everybody was talking about it. It's not like if you went to an arena, everybody was like, Oh, did you hear what Mike Lupica said on the sports reporters? Like nobody gave a crap. I mean, even, even PTI and around the horn shows like that were, are like short, you know, quick hit, conversations usually rather than you know a 10-15 segment like you might see on first take where they go long on it or like a podcast where we can go for 25 minutes on any number of topics and get deep into it and the fans have all the awareness yes they know everything they know everything and they care about everything you're right and so like you wouldn't really be in depth with anything except on a local level Otherwise, and so I do think that that is, you brought that up just kind of in passing. I think that is a massive factor Mm -hmm. with all of this, that there is a pressure to win, like you say, with the rings culture. There is a pressure to win, but also this constant search to be content. Think about those three guys that are going to be together in Brooklyn, Kev. KD left for a 73-win team that just beat his team down 3-1 in the Western Conference Finals, all because of the desire to win a championship. Kyrie Irving was playing with Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. Kyrie Irving, (laughs) before that, as reported by Brian Windhorst, as his team was going to the NBA Finals, was not speaking to his teammates for the last month of the season on a team that's in the Finals. (laughs) Like, what that, do you want? By the way, that story that Windhorse reported a while back, that still blows my mind. But we're seeing it again right now, really. Well, and then you have, obviously, Kevin, who left 
right? Uh, you know, Golden State, which is one of the greatest teams ever assembled. And you have James, who they they brought, they did everything for him. They let him make every single play. They catered the entire offense around him. They brought in Dwight Howard. Then they brought in Chris Paul. Then they brought in Russell Westbrook. Then they brought in shooters around him. And they and there's all kinds of guys that are in his wake that you know have been traded other places or whatever else. Um, and they mortgaged future for this. And he wasn't happy, right? He didn't. He, he wasn't happy. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. All that being said, I get it. <laughs> I get it. Because if you're this level of a player and you feel like you are capable of winning a championship and maybe, maybe it's not a chase for some feeling as much as the, just the sense of accomplishment. And for Harden, he, he is a player who feels like I can win a title. Why would you not try to do which everything you possibly can to get out and be on a team where you feel like you can do that. Cause with this Rockets team, we talked about this before the season. Well, actually let's back up even a little bit more. I think it was around maybe July when we were talking about who's the next team that could blow it up. We said the Houston Rockets, the both of us. And you were surprised that I felt that way. Yeah. But it, in fairness, kind of, it, you, but held, now, you held out hope for three months that James well, Harden was going to get to that. I'm, I'll get to that in a second. But the point is this came sooner than I expected. Right here, all of this, everything that's transpired. But with Houston, even if you look at this roster, on paper, it's pretty good. You know, John Wall, James Harden, Christian Wood playing an all-star level, PJ Tucker, Eric Gordon, Jay Sean Tate coming off the bench, giving some really good energy. Like the, this is a is a good team on paper. But Harden going up at that podium on Tuesday night after they got smacked by the Lakers twice in a row. Is he wrong about this team not being good enough? And he's 31 years old right now. Who knows how many years left of his prime? Uh, you you got to take advantage of the time while you have it. Okay, and but here's, for, here's for, the player, thing, for players, I'm, I'm not saying that like you know they're wrong for any any. I'm just saying I get it. The desire to go to a team where you can win, I get it. I think if I were a high level basketball player, I'd want to do that too. There's nothing I enjoy more than winning. Really, like it's just the truth. I love to win, but Kev, I love it whether it's a video game or whatever else. And if so, you if you want to validate the whole, he's right. They're not good enough. That could be said for virtually every player in the league. Who couldn't say that? And you not think it's probably right? I'm not. I'm not sure. I I caught what you're saying there. Who, not, what do you mean not good enough? Let's say that phrase. A guy walks into a press conference and he says, we're not good enough. Outside of LeBron and Anthony Davis, who do you think it would be ridiculous to hear that from? I mean, I think there's a number of teams that I'd be surprised to hear anybody say, say that. But let's say Nikola Jokic walks in tomorrow night and says, I want out. We're not good enough. I mean, this is like, it's it's... A different situation here because like the, the, it built to this. This like Harden doing that is clearly, very clearly orchestrated a bit here because no, but you defended they, him saying we're not good enough, and he's right. Okay, they, he, guess what? There's I'm not I'm not defending I'm not defending as much as league. I'm not defending as much as saying I get it I get it like this is the, what he did up there at that podium was a strategic thing. 
Like the trade talks that were occurring that day, obviously his team knows about that. They're pushing their way out as much as they can. They see a window, they leap out and going up there at that podium and doing that is sure as hell going to tick off for Tita teammates. And it did. It ticked off everybody. him doing that. Like that was one of the final pushes to get his way out after what they tried in November and December with the trade demand and showing up late to training camp and all that. This is a strategic decision here, you know, to try to get out when the opportunity was available, when Brooklyn was offering everything that they were, because Brooklyn themselves felt urgency. I, that's not Ky- what I was talking Kyrie. about. I know he was doing that so that they would trade him. I yeah. know that. But I was only talking about the truthfulness of him saying we're not good enough. Well, that could be said. That's that's the issue. That's what we're that's what we're dealing with yeah, here. Like and I that's said, why that's I why mean, everybody the, is changing teams every. You know sure. what I mean? And and, and like that's I why said, they have to have jersey insurance on uh, fanatics.com. Like I said, <laughs> I get it. I'm not saying it's a good or bad thing. I'm not saying it's right or wrong. All I'm saying is I get it. I get the desire to maximize the prime of your career and try to go win a championship. I get it. Ultimately, whether this is good or bad for teams, for fans, for the league, I don't know. I don't know. You know, all I, I, I grew up, you know, as a Celtics fan, I remember trade rumors about Paul Pierce every year, hearing local radio all the time talk about trade Paul Pierce, trade Paul Pierce, trade Paul Pierce, not a winner. And had they traded Paul Pierce, there were times it felt close. You know what? I, I, I would have understood as a fan. I, I have always understood that that's part of the game, which is partially from me being a Patriots fan. I remember 2003 season trading Lawyer Malloy or cutting Lawyer Malloy we, a day before the season started. I, I've, I've experienced that loss, loss of a great player as a fan since I was young. And, and I remember Antoine Walker getting traded. I think that was the first move Danny Ainge ever made after he was hired. People loved Antoine. So I felt that you know, from a young age. And and I'm not sure it's a good or bad thing. All I know is that as a fan for me growing up, it helped to have the awareness that this roster now, this team that I'm rooting for, it is temporary. It will change. And that, and and ultimately I'm not sure it's all that different other than it's been taken to an extreme. No, no, listen, let me finish. It's gone to an extreme level where now even star players, everybody's always on the move. It has just been turned up to 11 or 12. That like It is an extreme level. Is that good or bad? I don't know. All I know is that this is part of what the game is, and it has turned into something more extreme. So if you want to change that, then that has to change longer contracts, whatever else it might be. But that's part of the game. And at the end of the day, I get it. But this is Tom Brady. That's where your analogy doesn't work with the I grew up a Patriots fan. Nothing, uh, the periphery can all change. But if Tom I'll Brady give you two changed, different examples. But if Tom Brady changed every three years, or no, if Tom Brady, exactly. you know what I'm saying? That would have been a whole different deal. And you are a Patriots well, 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 fan. One, 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 just just a but in here, that, that's the difference. That's why I gave both examples. You know, with, with Paul Pierce, with there always being trade rumors, Antoine Walker being traded, but also with the Patriots, other great players around in the roster, I knew, oh, this is temporary. And that helped understand the the w- weirdness of having a guy for 20 years. I mean, right. th- this is unbelievable what happened with Tom Brady in New England. That That is so unusual. And it will be such a rarity. What happened with Dirk, with Dallas staying there his whole career? Kobe, Kobe with the Lakers. I mean, this is going to be an increasingly rare thing, which, in my opinion, should make it even more special when a guy stays a place for 
all of his career, or maybe if not all of it, all of it until right towards the end when they're old and just trying to keep on playing. Today's episode of The Mismatch is brought to you by Hulu Plus Live TV. Looking for a better way to watch live TV? Stream your favorite sports and shows over 95 live channels with Hulu Plus Live TV. Get access to Hulu's entire streaming library, Disney Plus and ESPN Plus, all in one plan. Start your free trial of Hulu Plus Live TV today. Live TV plan required. Restrictions apply. Offer valid for new and eligible returning subscribers only. Access content from each service separately. Learn more at Hulu.com. Man, we got to start using Apple Cash. All right. Why? It's so easy and convenient. Apple Cash lives in messages. Okay. So I can pay you in convos we're already having. Not forget a payment or have the money sitting somewhere just collecting dust. Hmm, that's actually kind of nice. And then you can use that cash right away and buy stuff at like a store with Apple Pay. Oh, so I don't have to do all the bank transfer stuff. Nope, it's just right there. It's easy, convenient, and secure. Did you just pay me a dollar on Apple Cash? See how easy that was? Services are provided by Green Dot Bank, member FDIC. Terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Hotels.com. I was traveling internationally last year. I was in Mallorca. I didn't know the island well. I said, let me head to the north, head towards the water. Let me go on Hotels.com and see what they have available. Something preferably on the beach, maybe even a gym. Not only did I get those things, there was a kid's session with exercise, gymnastics in the water, pony rides, a train. It had everything, and I didn't even want any of those things but at least I knew they were there just in case I changed my mind. And now finding the perfect hotel has never been easier thanks to the Hotels.com app. Whether you're looking for a family-friendly, right, all-inclusive or a relaxing spa weekend, you can find exactly what you need and compare hotel prices, ratings, and amenities side by side. So start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app. I do wonder if... You know, this is an extension of what the NBA has has done in terms of promoting its stars as individuals more so than the franchises, right? The NFL typically, of course, they're going to have uh, you know star players on the on the brochure or on the on the poster on the movie poster, as it were. But people. Care. Like it is, it is the Bears versus the Vikings on one week, right? And and everybody might watch it. And I know there's fantasy and there's gambling and there's all kinds of implications. But the NBA has long since, you know, bypassed the whole promotions of the franchises and the teams and promoted the players, right? And and I understand that these are the star players on these teams and that. It is much more individualistic, if 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 that you know, that's probably my best way to say that, right? Like if you promote it as individuals, and obviously there's fans of teams that they're not really fans of teams; they're just fans of the player, right? And so I I am a LeBron fan, and let's say I'm a LeBron fan, and. Honestly, I don't really care about Kyle Kuzma and Contavious Caldwell-Pope, except for the way they affect LeBron, who I am a fan of. And if LeBron goes to the Milwaukee Bucks, I'm going to be a fan of the Milwaukee Bucks. And if he goes to what, and I'm, but 
And there are Lakers fans that no matter who plays for the Lakers, they are going to root for the Lakers, right? But there's a lot of people that just like LeBron. And there's a lot of people that just like, it'll be interesting to see what happens with the Harden thing, right? How many of those people are Harden fans? And that's what they really love? Or are they Rockets fans, right? And the Rockets are what they really love. And I mean, can I speak to that for yeah, a second? Yeah, yeah. You know, so when it comes to my Patriots fandom, I, you know, this past year, two things. There's just two sides of this. One, Tom Brady leaving the team. I cared less about the Patriots this year than I ever have in my life. And I think part of that is Tom Brady, you know, not being there. Part of it is not watching the games with my dad. It's just the truth. Like, that's something I've felt. I just don't, not being on the couch with him watching games is different. Um, so I haven't cared as much. And, but with Tom Brady there, I care more. They were also the, bad for the first time in 100 yeah, years. But, but, they, but, but, they, but they also started out well. And even when they did, they had that, you know, Cam Newton had a huge game against the Seahawks early in the season. Granted, they lost. You know, the team felt promising. Yep. It did. Cam at that point is like, whoa, Cam looks great, you know? And it, and it turned out that he can't complete a pass. Uh, <laughs> but but I found myself. You watched the enough early, then. You watched but enough. Even, even in the early season, I cared more about the Bucks getting victories than I did. The Patriots last season, even I remember talking with some of my friends that I've known for years and I've, I've said to them, I feel like I believe I even said it to you in the pod. I feel like I'm more of a, a fan of Tom Brady than I am of the Patriots. It's just the truth. I am. And I didn't know how I would feel once he left, if he left, which he did. And it's changed things for me. And I would be willing to bet, you know, considering how long Harden has been with Houston, that there will be a lot of fans that don't like the way things are going in Houston. They don't like for Tita. They don't like, you know, all the changes. They don't like not having Maury to root for as a GM. They don't like having the fun of Maury on Twitter now being in Philadelphia. That maybe now Houston's just not as appealing of a team to root for or follow anymore. And that they'll resonate towards rooting for Brooklyn because of James Harden being there and wanting to see James Harden win it all. Something that he came close to doing close with some deep playoff runs and with the Rockets that you want to see that guy do it in the same way that I want to see Tom Brady go out and win his seventh freaking Super Bowl because I think that guy is the GOAT and he's brought me so much happiness. I want to see him succeed more than I do the my own team that I rooted for growing up. So it's a really weird feeling. You know, it's a really weird feeling, but ultimately that's what it is like for me. You know, like I said, there's other factors that play into it, but I would imagine that for a lot of fans of the Rockets, they might feel that way. Um, though it is different, though. It's different. You all There's also going to be fans that feel like, you know, they hate Harden now. They hate Harden, and they want him to fail there, and they want the Rockets to succeed without him and show that they can do it without a guy, you know, that has everything built around him and, and is that given everything to him. And it'll be fascinating to see, like, say, like, but the NBA, when, when I talk about them promoting the individual, uh, just take in mind, and and we are guilty too because we want to see the guy, right? Like we may not care necessarily. A, a perfect example was last year. They put the Pelicans on TV a hundred million times. Nobody gave a shit. Nobody wanted to watch the Pelicans with Zion injured. Nobody. Nobody wanted to watch those games. But they've got all these national TV games because they have Zion Williamson on their team. Right? People want to see Zion Williamson. Like, let's say Indiana was what, the four or five seed last year? Whatever. I think they're five seed. Okay. Indiana, they're going to end up being, they're on national TV 120th of what the Pelicans will be. They won way more, right? Like, they won way more, but people want to see 
Zion, even if it's even if it's on a worse team, right? There, there's no debate. The Pacers were a much much better team, right? But the NBA goes out of its way to promote its stars, put its stars on TV, and so when we care so greatly about the individual, is it now? This is what we have wrought. Of course, people care deeply about their individual success rather than feeling necessarily loyalty or tied to a team because they're the entity. They're the, you know, they're the team, right? I mean, because if I, if I leave here, you're not even going to be on national TV ever again, right? Or you're not like, like, so that's a part of player empowerment. I think sometimes when people play player, when they say player empowerment, it's about the players just, you know, took the power into their own hands. They have been empowered by the machine, you know what I'm saying, that is promoting them as individuals. And so when they act as individuals, how can we be surprised, right? They do what's best for them. Yeah. You know, like I said, I get it. And and ultimately, though, doing what you want to do, you know, going, you know, the grass isn't always greener and there's no guarantees that something that you choose to do ends up being for the best. And so now with Brooklyn, you have Kevin Durant, you have Kyrie Irving, you have James Harden. You've also lost, you know, Jared Allen, who's been their best defensive player. You lost Karis LeVert, who's been very good for them. Granted, you're upgrading to Harden, but you lost some good pieces from that team. And with them, there's no guarantee that they win at all here. The upside for the, for the Brooklyn Nets is greatest offense of all time. That's what the upside is. This could be the greatest offense ever with those three level scorers who are creative geniuses on the ball who can also play off ball when they want to. I mean, this could be, I mean, when I think about what the Nets could be if they're all clicking, they could be unstoppable. The question will be, how good can their defense become? What level can it reach? And we talked about this a well, little bit. The other bit. question is who sacrifices? Who, well, I mean, the sacrificing has to happen. Like, you know, that has to happen on the Who's offensive the end. Who's the Bosch? Well, but part of sacrifice is also stepping up on the defensive end. We have seen Kyrie have, have moments throughout his career, particularly in the year Cleveland won the finals, where he locked in on defense. We have seen Kevin Durant and his prime, and maybe his peak when he was with Golden State, playing more of the five, playing some four next to Draymond, where he was defending everywhere on the court. James Harden, he's a good post defender, and when he's locked in, he can be a solid on-ball defender for you. He can be active in passing lanes when he's locked in. The Nets have a path to becoming a good defense, but what needs to happen is sacrifice on offense, like you're mentioning, in terms of touches, in terms of moving off ball, and all that but also sacrifice in the sense that you get to invest that energy you might be saving on offense and you got to put it into defense because for this team to be what it could be, and that's the favorites in the East heading into the playoffs, they got to show that ability by then. And there's no guarantees here. There's just not the Kyrie variable cannot be understated what they're going through right now. That's part of the reason why they felt such urgency to get a deal done for Harden was because not Harden is also Kyrie insurance here. He just is. In case Kyrie decides flakes out or leaves or whatever, you still have Harden and Durant. Who is the one that sacrifices the most? The Chris Bosh, the Kevin Love of the situation. Um, I, I mean... It's I, fascinating or, 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 because... Is, is it more like who's the Ray Allen? You know, and when I say that, I mean... 
with Boston's situation with KG, Paul Pierce, and Ray Allen. Ray Allen, Ray Allen was the one who quote unquote sacrificed the most, but he still got a lot of shots. And, and I wonder who becomes the guy that's more of the the off ball presence. Part of me wonders if that could end up being Harden. I do wonder about that. I mean, Kyrie w- wanted more, right? Like it's fair to say he's been in a spot where he wanted more than his role. He wasn't happy playing with LeBron. We know that. We what know if it's he Katie? wasn't happy. He wasn't happy playing with LeBron, right? And then we know KD wasn't happy playing with the Warriors guys. Yeah, so for a number left. of different reasons. There's no, more but he than, left. you know, yeah. Right? Yes. Yeah. And we know James Harden wasn't comfortable playing with four guys that stand around and watch him dribble. Um <laughs> I have a very difficult time believing that this is going to be the basketball Zen situation when I have seen those guys being in others. Kyrie obviously wasn't happy playing with Tatum and Brown. Like, I mean, I just don't like, why would he, why would he be okay with KD and Harden, but he's not okay with, with uh, LeBron and love. And he's not okay with Tatum and Brown and he's not okay. Like, what do you want? It's, it's, I think it's more complicated than that. I mean, like the the KD thing is so much about the also the way people were talking about him. Whether his link, rings were legitimate, it was partially that. It was partially the friction just between him and Draymond, which wasn't a matter of touches. It was a matter of personalities clashing. Um, you know, when it comes to relationship with Steph, part of that was about being face of the franchise, which is you know touching on what you're talking about with Brooklyn. But I think Kyrie and KD coming together was you know a willingness to to not worry about that that the, he was going to a place to define what the nets were going to be rather than with golden state he went to a place that already had they were already defined they already knew what they were and that was Steph's team Clay's team Draymond's team and then with Kyrie Kyrie's Kyrie <laughs> it's really Kyrie's Kyrie do you think <laughs> any of those three guys i think does not capable. think they are the best player in the nba I don't know. I mean, I think they're they capable of sacrificing. Katie showed he could sacrifice at some points with Golden State before it went bad. Kyrie did adapt to playing with LeBron James. James Harden played with Kevin Durant and Russell Westbrook, and he was one of the best six men in the NBA. He played with different stars, and granted, it was different playing with Chris Paul, and it didn't work out. That was partially due to personality between those two guys. They did not get along. They did not click. They did not like each other. Part of that due to basketball, part of that just due to how they are as people. Well, they also, but then, but then it was his little league buddy, Russell Westbrook, after that. You yeah, know what I, mean? I mean, we've been with, friends with, with forever. With, with Russ, Russ wasn't happy there. For but sure. he knew him, he played with him, and he wanted him. But I think that was, right? yeah, yeah, for sure. And, and ultimately, I mean, Russ leaving, leaving was partially due to Harden also wanting to leave, and Harden wanting to leave was all, they both wanted to leave. They didn't want to play with each other anymore. Yeah, I'm not sure. I don't think it's that they didn't like each other. They just wanted something different. But ultimately, I think these guys can't sacrifice. I think they can. And a lot of that's going to have to come down to Kyrie, though. KD, I think, is going to be willing to. Harden, I think, is going to be willing to. Kyrie, we'll see what happens there. That's the major X factor here. First of all, he's got to get back. He just got fined for you know breaking the health and safety protocols, $50,000, according to the NBA release a statement about that. So he's got to get back to the court. He's got to start you know not breaking those protocols. He has to sacrifice on the court. There's a lot of questions here with the Brooklyn Nets. But the point is, is that their upside, their upside is 
off the charts, man, on the offensive end of the floor. And if those guys actually buy in and start trying our defense, I mean, it's going yeah, to it's, it's be hard to say. It's going to be hard to say they won't be the favorites come playoff time. That's what I don't. Do I that. don't buy the the defense thing. I don't. I do not think there is a path for them to being good defensively. You know, you have DeAndre is, Jordan at center, and no, I, if they still had Jared Allen, you know what I mean. At least you'd have a chance. Would you have done the right? trade if you were Brooklyn? Yes, still no. No, you wouldn't have because you're not a big James Harden guy. So what would you have done? Just let Kyrie and Katie, you know, do their thing this year and why not? I'm I'm just saying. Yes. I'm just yes, saying. Yes. I okay, mean, so I would have tried just, to I would have tried to salvage that. the Kyrie thing. I got enough I got an uh, I get it that it's like one of those things where you don't you don't know what's gonna happen with that. To this is what you were trying to say. So it puts an impetus on, hey, let's go do this now. Cause hell, that that way, even if Kyrie does flake on us completely. At least we still got James Harden, right? And because we can't have that go down, that I, I understand, right? I understand. I just think you might have compounded things because you, what you're doing is you're saying we can't waste another Durant year. Like he he lost one to injury. He doesn't have that much time left on the contract. We if 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 Kyrie flakes on this or he gets hurt, you know he's had an injury history. Like at least now. We've gone all in, right? Again, this is one of those, as I was saying, the hardest thing to do is to keep your star happy. And you're just rolling the dice that everybody's going to be happy, but that's their attempt to make KD happy so that this is not a two-year deal and that you could keep him because otherwise, you know what I mean? He's going to look at that and go, shit, I already wasted two years, Mm -hmm. right? Like that's why they did the deal. So I, uh, exactly. while I say I understand, I also think it is a tremendous risk, and I do not think that I am of the view that you still got to have role players on your team, right? That, I mean, like they don't have a poor supporting cast though. Joe Harris is one of the better shooters in the league. Obviously, he ain't Spencer ever going to touch the ball. He's going to get a lot of open <laughs> Timothy shots. Timothy Lawalu Cabarro. These guys aren't yeah. even going to touch. The they have they have some good role players. I am of the I am of the opinion that you have the guys that do the dirty work. You've got guys that carry an offensive load for you, and I think your offense was going to be fine if you got Kyrie and Kevin Durant. Yeah, but you keep saying if you have Kyrie, and that's why I say this is Kyrie insurance. It's insurance for this season, but also, like you said, if KD was unhappy, if Kyrie was gone, or Kyrie and him didn't click anymore, and that suddenly maybe trading Kyrie's in the best interest of keeping Kevin Durant happy, now you have James Harden. And Kevin Durant can become a free agent after the 2021-22 season. So that means after next season, Mm -hmm. KD can become a free agent. That's coming up very soon, as can James Harden. But like keeping those two guys together... It's part about it's partially about that as well. Having them also makes Kyrie, if it comes down to it, like I said, if it comes to it where a move has to be made, where you can feel better about losing him, whether it's like Stephen A. Smith said on a first take the other day, Kyrie should retire if he were to retire, or whether another team were to want to trade for him, which I'm not sure how many teams really would want to trade for Kyrie Irving at this point. Just the just the facts, just, man. I, I but look, all I'm saying here's, here's is having I'm, having Harden is carry insurance in so many more ways than just if he comes back this season. There, there, here is here is the reason I don't think it will work. Okay, because what you think is if you win and you win big 
and you got a shot at the title, that that is basketball happiness, right? To me. Like we say, these guys want to win, right? That's what they want to do. They want to win. Kevin Durant was in the winning situation, and it didn't didn't make him content. James Harden was in the winning situation. You know, he could have said, hey, look how good we are at basketball. I'm willing to put aside my differences with Chris Paul, right, to make this thing work because we're right there. We got a chance at winning the title with the team that we've got. Clearly, we're right there on the precipice. We got a chance. Kyrie Irving, he was in the NBA Finals. When he, when he just shut out and wasn't talking to the rest of the team. So uh, to me, it's hard for me to believe that you can throw three guys that weren't happy winning. Like, I mean, I, what do you want? What do you want? You want to win championships? Like you've all had chances to win championships. So I, I, it, when, when I am dealing with three guys like that, to, the idea that I could just throw them all together and then all of a sudden everybody's going to be happy with their situation because they've been unhappy not in if Carl Anthony Towns comes out and says I am I am sick of this shit I bust my ass all the time he doesn't bust his ass but let's just say if I I, I don't I don't want to I don't want to spend another three years losing I spent seven losing for the better part of seven years or whoever right guys and these are guys that weren't happy in winning situations so how am I throwing all three of them together and expecting them to be happy? What's going to make them happy? Winning? I mean, you can win while being unhappy. <laughs> I mean, I'm just, I'm just so saying. They all I did. guess the truth. Yeah, that's what I'm yeah, saying. Exactly. They all did. Yeah, so you can win an A championship or multiple champ- championships while being a little bit unhappy. Could you in a million? <laughs> it's about the talent level, Chris. <laughs> could you in a million years though see a? Could you envision? Just close your eyes for a minute. The picture of the three of them, like the three of them holding a trophy together. <laughs> no, like, come on. You I mean, can't. I can't, I can't visualize, so I, I, I can't an- answer that question. No, I can't. I need to get you some CBD or something. I mean, visualization, Chris. Like, I can't get a clear image in my <laughs> head, you know, about that. Um, but I can imagine the idea of them winning a championship. And like I said, I can see them having one of the most potent offenses we've ever seen. I can see these guys operating and playing together at a high level. To me, there's a chance that we see that. Will we for a fact? No, there's no guarantees in anything. That's the point here. All I'm saying is that this team's upside is immense. And that's why you do that deal 10 out of 10 times if you're the Brooklyn Nets and why this is, in my opinion, a win for them. I know they gave up all those picks and I know they're killing their future flexibility, but you got to maximize having Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving and try to win a championship, even if it's only a three-year window. If it's a three-year window and you get one, it's worth it. It's worth it. It just is. But it could also be way longer than a three-year window, too. It just could be. And maybe at some point, one of those guys leaves, and it becomes KD and Harden. Who really knows what the future brings? All I know is having these guys can work, and that's why the Nets did it. It's why they were right to do it, and why their upside now is significantly higher than it was last week at this time. And this is why we're the mismatch. I don't agree Mm. at all. (laughs) I don't agree at all. Um, I understand but I think that it is the panic that it is brought upon Kyrie Irving not being at your gym. Eh, they were you trying to do this deal back in December, though. If Kyrie, if Ky- the Kyrie but if Kyrie happens. Irving had been play, playing every night and they were humming along, 
you don't feel like you've got to do this. I really believe that. You don't, if you were humming all along and Kyrie and KD, they were already pretty devastating when they were on the court. We've seen that. We've seen them trading off in moments and now throwing another guy who is a score first guy into the mix and everybody eating and everybody being happy when it's already been hard to figure out what makes guys happy. I don't know. I don't know. And that's the thing that that goes back to the original point where everybody used to say the hardest thing to get a star. I don't know what makes these guys happy anymore. Is it winning? Is it a chance at winning? Is it being able to I play mean, how you want to play? It's is different. It, hey, Chris, it's different for everybody, man. It just is. Whether it's a basketball player or no matter what you do in it life. It used to be easier, well, though. So, sometimes the finish line doesn't bring joy. It's just the truth. Like it, 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 it can feel, it can give you a temporary sense of accomplishment. And, you know, to bring it back to Tom Brady, I remember after he won his first three Super Bowls, he was asked, I think in a 60 Minutes interview, which one is your favorite? And he smirks and he says, the next one. Mm-hmm. it's about the chase. It's really about the journey. And that's what needs to be enjoyed. It can't just be about the finish line and about, you know, hoisting the trophy or getting the A plus on your report card, whatever it might be. It's about the journey and getting there and investing and enjoying the process and the day to day, getting better from struggles. That's what it needs to be about. And if you're focused on just the end game, and this is the the issue I have with rings culture, it's not just a, about winning the championship. That is the that is the period at the end of the sentence. That is that is the, the 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 thing that you remember forever. But the journey can still be cherished and enjoyed on the way there, even if it doesn't result in winning at all. And so for these players, I think it's really about a strict you mindset. Cha- you have changed since we started no, this podcast. Dude, it's still it's still it was one of our about, biggest arguments, though. It's still all about winning a championship, but you can still enjoy everything on the way there. You can you still got to enjoy the process to get there. It's just the truth. But I used to fight that if you don't win the championship, it could still have value. Yeah, and I, I, you know I, I wouldn't argue that. that. Like it's it's like the grit and grind Grizzlies. I don't think I ever once said, "Oh, those years don't matter because they didn't win a championship." Of course, they matter. They matter a lot. But it can't just all be about the end. Ultimately, the the goal of an organization should be about trying to win a championship. That's what it should be about. The goal of an organization. What pisses me off is when certain organizations, their goal is we're going to get in the playoffs and get a couple home games on TV and get more revenue in, but we really don't care as much about going all in and try to win a championship. To me, that's a slap in the face to your fans. Mm. That's a slap in the face. I've felt the joy. I've been spoiled my whole life ever since I was a little boy. Red Sox coming back from down 3-0 against the Yankees, you know, winning four in a row, then winning four in a row in the World Series. I've been spoiled with the Patriots winning three when I was a little boy. I saw the Celtics win. I saw the Bruins win. I'm a spoiled brat growing up a Boston sports fan, and I know what it feels like more, more than most people to win a championship as a fan, and that feeling is unbeatable, and I think when organizations aren't going for that, it is a slap in the face and it's pure disrespect to fans that they won't get the opportunity to experience that because the organization that they are spending money on to, to, to buy jerseys, to go to games, concession stands, you know, cable package to get the games on TV, getting their kids packets of cards. 
I think it's a slap in the face to all of them. That's why I think it's on the teams to go for winning it all. But from a fan perspective, from a player's perspective, from a coach's perspective, you still got to enjoy the journey in the way there because only one team can win it. Only one team. And oftentimes it's that organization that's doing everything they possibly can to win it all. So I, I, I get what you're saying and where maybe my views have evolved a little bit, but I think at its core, it still remains the same that I put it on the organization from an organizational perspective. It's on them to do everything they can to win it all for everybody else. That's putting everything they can in their own different ways. No, no, this is all years ago from the, it was the blow it up conversation. yeah, it was, that, it was I mean, the Raptors, actually. Like I said, that blow it up conversation was also a time in the NBA where I felt like there were a lot of teams that should blow it up. Mm-hmm. Right now, I think we're nearing the point where you're going to see some of those teams. And we've been through it a couple times, but there's not a lot of teams know. I look at. There's just, there's just not. You're six months away from acquiring a star, no matter who you are. Yeah, <laughs> the, whole, the whole 2018 All-Star team is wearing... Mm-hmm. Three years, Kev. That's amazing, isn't it? That can't be good. It can't be good. And, and, and one, of think, the guy, one of the guys who hasn't been moved on those teams yet is Bradley Beal. And he could be the And you just wrote an article one. about <laughs> Yeah, just, yeah, yeah. And, and with no, Beal, wait, he, you know what? He the could only, be next. I meant, when I rattled off all those Team LeBrons, he had three players on that team that, that aren't. Brad Beal, Goran Dragic, LaMarcus Aldridge. Mm. And you would That's argue... Wild. If Beal, uh, you wrote the article about Beal, Aldridge, we've talked about the Spurs moving on from his tenure, and Dragas just re-signed, but they, he's on a, you know, finals team. Yeah. Yeah, you know, last year, right? Also 34 years old now, too. Yeah. And leaving Miami is not the easiest thing to do. Hmm. You know what I mean? No. LeBron went back <laughs> home, but like, yeah. other than that, like, <laughs> it's not that, I, I can't imagine that, you know, you if you got a place down on South Beach that you'd be mm. all that interested in moving elsewhere. <laughs> Have you been to Miami? I've never I haven't. visited Miami. I haven't, I haven't either. I'd love to go post-pandemic whenever that is, which who knows. I'd like to do a lot of things post-pandemic. Yeah, me too. I wish me too. I feel, do you feel done. a greater urge to explore? Yes. Yeah. Do you feel a greater I feel a great, urge to like I feel even, a greater urge to do anything, Kevin. Yeah, me too. Me too. Anything, you know what I feel a greater than to sit in my house? Yeah. I feel a great urge to do anything other than sit in my house. Yeah. And, Me and too, wear man. a face mask everywhere I go. You know, <laughs> that's what I, I was listening to, to John Mayer yesterday. He had an interview with Paul Reed Smith. They make guitars and yeah. they, they're releasing like a new John Mayer signature. That's beautiful, by the way. And he made the point about for musicians, They've always, you know, throughout their life kind of been homebody sometimes. You know, you're at home, you're playing guitar, eight hours pass, and you're like, whoa, where'd all the time go? And for some musicians, it might be easier to be at home. Like for me, it has been a little bit easier. My whole life, I've been home playing guitar or video games. I've never been someone who goes out to parties. I didn't live on campus in college. So for me, it's like I'm used to being home. However, um, I also, I think in the last year plus, have really grown to love just having dinners out with friends. I love doing that in LA. I loved organizing the dunk on cancer event in Toronto. And I think you and I have even talked before, like I'd love to do live mismatch shows. I'd love to be able to fly down to Memphis and do something there with you, or you come to LA or Boston and do something like that. And I think last year in 29, not last year, two years ago now in 2019 during the finals, when I had that event in Toronto, 
that might be the best night of my life. Like that night is something I'll remember forever. Just connecting with people before and after the show, having all the people we had on stage, Zach Lowe, Taylor Rooks, you know, everybody, like so many different warriors and Raptors writers. Like it was a special night and I want to have more nights like that. Where well, people, never people in come a billion together. years would I, if I would have told you that night, we're not going to mm. be able to do this in two years. Yeah, you just never think the, you're going to be stripped from your freedom like that. No doubt you know about I mean? it. And, and you know, I, I think you know, once we're out of this, whenever that time comes, don't know. TBD. Um, I feel a greater desire than ever before to to bring people together, whether like the small group of three friends, yeah, or like organizing an event for a live podcast. Like, there's that. That's a that's something I can't wait. I can't wait to go to a concert and you know, feel like the, the, the presence of a bunch of people around you in a crowd, oh, you know, no, Kev, Kev, <laughs> I told you, I, I've been going to these games, bro. It is depressing as hell. <sighs> it really is more depressing be, being there. I'm not kidding. On TV. Yes. Yeah. On TV. I don't notice. You know what I'm saying? You don't notice. Yeah. But yep. being in really that, don't. being in an empty arena, what, sitting there watching it in a face mask, it sucks. Yeah. Sucks. Like, I mean, it's a one time people, you do not have to be jealous about me going and seeing games in person. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, you know yeah. what I mean? People think like, that's a dream job. Like, I, I trust me, if I could be home watching it on TV, I would choose watching it on TV. I mean, I right have now, to. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, it's yeah. it's it's just so depressing. It really. I is. mean, uh, I've seen, uh, I've been to a lot of great games in person in my life. I saw the Red Sox hit four home runs in a row against the Yankees many years ago with my dad. I was at the game when Isaiah Thomas scored fifty three points against the Wizards in the in the postseason, which was one of the most emotional sports night sports nights ever. And that night with the Celtics, the night with the Red Sox, like there's nothing than the feeling of that whole crowd just blowing up together and just sharing a bunch of strangers sharing in a special moment together, being there for something they enjoy. I mean, geez, man, I, I, I cannot wait. I can't wait until those times are back. I just, I, I missed that so much and I haven't been to a game yet, but I, I, at some point, I'm not sure when, at some point I'd like to go to a Celtics game since I'm here in Brockton now and see what it's like. Hey, see before what it's we, like. It's before so we get out, before we get out of here, I will tell you one last thing. So a couple of years ago when we were doing the podcast, you may remember, my, I grew up with uh, my father and I. He had season tickets to the St. Louis Blues. It's the team he cares about the most. Um, and when we won the Stanley Cup, I watched every game with him, and it was the greatest, uh, our, our favorite sports moment together, to say the least, right? So the other night, there's one good thing about the whole live sports pandemic, and I've talked about my father's in a wheelchair now, so it's not like we could go to games together anyway. Um, that being said, I went down to his house and I showed him, I, I brought down this picture. I said, dad, I said, this is not, um, I said, uh, I got you season tickets to the blues. <laughs> and he was like, what? Cause their season was about to start. And I was like, I got you season tickets. I was like, it's the least I could do for all those years. You took me to all the games. I got you season <laughs> tickets. He's like, what are you talking about? Right. And I showed him, Kevin, I bought one of those, cardboard cutouts 
that they're putting in the arena during the game. So he still watches all of the games. So now (laughs) our quest is to try to find him in the crowd. Like I'm praying, (laughs) I just am praying at some point the camera scans by and I got, I bought one of those, like, you know, you could buy yourself as a cutout. (laughs) I bought him as a cutout at the games. And he was like, he was like, no way. And I was like, yes, dude. (laughs) And I was like, you're going to be one of those, one of those cutouts at the game. It didn't cost much either. I thought a great value. I don't know how many they've sold. <laughs> I hope they haven't sold that many so I can actually is, see them. Is it less than a hundred bucks? Yeah, it was like I, I mean, I pay. I think it was seventy five. Wow, that seems like a good deal. Yeah, <laughs> to be a cardboard cutout at the game. Yeah, I love into yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. it's I've like bought, also a perfect you know gift for the holiday season. It's great. Yeah, <laughs> I know the pandemic. I know. I, I, I mean, got, and that's the other part. You got to make the most of this. Freaking yeah. thing that we're all going through, and moments like that. Well, I don't know why every, you're I don't know, laugh about. I, I tell you this now: they're raising money for a charity. The Blues are. Mm-hmm. I don't know why every team isn't doing this. Yeah, seems like a no-brainer. Everybody, <laughs> like, there'll be a lot of. Wouldn't everybody pay seventy-five bucks to have themselves? You know what I mean? Like if they so could, if it's going to charity and all that. Yeah, yeah. if they're going yeah. to charity, right? Like if yep. it's your favorite team, How, or could help out like local restaurants yeah. or, or workers. You know, whatever it might be. Pony up seventy-five bucks, and you get your. You know, photo in the stands. Yeah, (laughs) I'm into it. I'm praying. I'm gonna. I'm. I'm gonna watch more games this year than I have in 20 years, (laughs) just because I'm praying that at some point the camera scans (laughs) by you. That would be hilarious. You you gotta make sure you tweet it out or. or I know. Post about it. (laughs) My dad at the game. (laughs) My dad's at the game. (laughs) Uh, Anyway, thank you to producer Sasha. As always, thanks to you for listening to the show. And we will talk to you on Tuesday. Thank you, everybody. Thank you.